0: So the Palm Sunday story, Brandon read it a minute ago, but basically it is Jesus rides into Jerusalem, a place where he knows he's going to die. He rides in on the back of a donkey and all the crowds come out that are in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and they throw palm branches and their coats at his feet and they cry out Hosanna, 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 uh, meaning something close to God saves or God save us. And what's interesting about the story, and I say this almost every Palm Sunday, so forgive me if you've been around a lot, but I say it almost every year. My big memory of Palm Sunday when I was a kid is batting around beach balls during our, our church service. I remember hitting beach balls, and that was fun, and that was cool, and we celebrated because, you know, Jesus came in on a donkey, and people were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and it's an exciting moment. Um, but, but as you read the story... ...of Palm Sunday in the Bible, not just kind of the parts we remember, you know, just without looking at the Bible, but when you read the actual story in the Bible, the story is actually, as you just saw in the video, one that's just filled with mixed emotions... It's not a story that is just celebratory in nature, although it has that side of it. And uh, let me just remind you, uh, my whole sermon last year was like the depressing Palm Sunday sermon, I think. I talked about Jesus crying, like that was the whole point, but uh, I'm just going to briefly go through this and then get to some good news today. But uh, the disciples, when Jesus says he's going into Jerusalem, they say like, let us go too that we may die with him. And so there's fear involved for the disciples, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty clear. They're scared. They're walking into Jerusalem and they think they're going to be ambushed by the people who have turned against Jesus because they're jealous or angry and don't like that he just raised Lazarus from the dead. And, and so they're like, what if we get killed when we go here? So then also we have the crowd who are shouting Hosanna, Hosanna and they're excited about Jesus because they've heard about his miracles and how he fed people and how he has healed people and raised people from the dead and so there's excitement there. But the Pharisees and other religious leaders are so angry at the Palm Sunday event, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, that they begin in those moments to plot how they might kill Jesus. It starts with the resurrection of a guy named Lazarus, and it continues right into the Palm Sunday story. They're mad at Jesus, and they're mad at him because he's allowing these praises to take place. And so they say to him, hey, stop your disciples. Stop these people from crying out, Hosanna. And Jesus says the famous thing, if they don't cry out, then the rocks will. But I imagine that that conversation was like they were angry at him and he just said what he said. And then, and and this is what we talked about last year, the the crowds go away, they dissipate, and Jesus looks over the city of Jerusalem and he doesn't go, woohoo, man, did it. He breaks down and he sobs over the city. And so here is this event just completely filled with mixed emotions and what we've done to it in kind of American Christianity is we've just taken the one part we like, the celebratory part, and we've made that the entire story. And it is in fact one of my great pet, pet peeves, uh, and you know this maybe if you've been here for the last series which was on depression, but one of my great pet peeves is, is really Christians and pastors uh, that, that present the story of Christianity in a way that suggests, if you just love Jesus, then everything will always be okay for you. I had Christian Radio on, uh, on the way to pick up the trailer for church this morning. And I don't listen to Christian Radio very often, in part, I think, because of what I'm about to tell you. But they had They have these little kind of... Um, these little stories that they tell on Christian radio sometimes, and this morning, the story, I didn't catch all of it, but it was basically a girl got in a car accident. She was sad because she continued to have to take medicine, uh, even though she didn't really get hurt in the car accident. Then they came together and they prayed, and she no longer had to take medicine anymore. Praise God, just be like that, live for him, and everything will always be okay. Churches get huge just doing this. Like, become a Christian and your life will be better. Uh, We would get bigger faster if I just presented the story of christianity in that way It's it's almost a foolproof model for growing a church more quickly Uh, I could say hey here's the deal accept jesus give us some money and then you will have lots of money and your health will be excellent And those are there are people who just intentionally do that they 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 try to gain an audience doing that But there are others, like I think the Christian radio station this morning, who don't intentionally do it. They just kind of accidentally do it. Like if you pray enough and if you live for Jesus enough, then everything will be okay. And I think we do it to the Palm Sunday story. Look, everybody celebrated Jesus. And we forget about, and this is the part of Christianity that we like to pretend doesn't exist. I don't know who likes that. I don't like that. But some people, it's like in the middle of this story, there's fear and there's sadness and there's probably a lot of confusion by the crowd and there's anger by the Pharisees. And it's all wrapped up in this one story, the Palm Sunday story. And here's what I want to say this morning. I think we ought to celebrate Palm Sunday not because of what happened on that first Sunday when Jesus was marching into Jerusalem. I think we should celebrate it because of what it symbolizes for us in eternity. We're going to look at the book of Revelation this morning, and when you think of the book of Revelation, you probably think of something that's going to take place in the future. Um, And that's okay, uh, but the book of Revelation was written to... A group of churches and a group of churches who were, who were struggling intensely because of the persecution that was coming or would come in just a few years into their churches and into their lives because people would start to hate Christians more and more. And so the first couple of chapters of Revelation are actually written to these churches to encourage them to keep living for Jesus and all of that. And then the book goes on, and in the middle of the book, and this is the part that's forgotten about the book of Revelation, this is the part that I like most, there are these moments where where the, the veil of heaven is pulled back, and we get to see a picture of what is taking place in heaven. Not someday what will take place in heaven, but what is taking place in heaven currently for people who have already gone before to end up there. And, and here's what's great about the passage we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a picture of what's taking place in heaven. It's going to connect us to the Palm Sunday story, but at the same time, it's written to people like you and me who haven't gone to heaven yet who haven't come out of all the sadness and the fear and the struggle and the confusion that we face on a daily basis like they did on the first Palm Sunday. But yet it's going to speak this great, I think, message of hope for all of us no matter what we face. And it's going to show us, I think, that we celebrate Palm Sunday not because, not because Jesus just walked into Jerusalem a couple of thousand years ago. But because Jesus walked into Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago, died on a cross, rose again, sits in heaven so that something great might take place in our lives and in the world. And this is how uh, it begins in Revelation 7-9. After this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Now the first thing to notice is... Palm branches, right? I mean, this is the connection. You could have figured this one out definitely on your own, right? There's the connection to the Palm Sunday story. These people are, that are in heaven, they are holding palm branches. That word for palm branches, it's a Greek word, as most of the New Testament is, and it's used twice. It's used once here in Revelation And it's used once in the book of John where the same author of Revelation, a guy named John, is writing a story that we now call the Palm Sunday story. And so it's pretty clear, it's pretty easy to see that when John says these people are holding palm branches, he at least would have picked up on the fact that something is taking place here that ought to be a little bit connected to what took place on Palm Sunday. Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And the story didn't really end. The story is now continuing in heaven whenever the book of Revelation uh, is written. There's a couple other things you need to notice uh, about these people. First of all, uh, the people waving the branches are every type of person that you can think of. He says every nation, tribe, people, language. But we can say every type of person that you can think of. And this is cool because a couple of things. First of all, uh, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, at that point, the people yelling out, Hosanna, 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 were almost entirely made up of Jewish people. But Christianity was not meant for one people group. It was meant for the entire world. This is the religion of the world because our God is the true and living God. And so we see that what's happened between what Palm Sunday, original Palm Sunday, and what has taken place in heaven is that now this this religion that was really just kind of seen as a Jewish sect for a while has now gone to every type of person. And, And here's the important part, I think, for us today. Sometimes we do the same thing with Christianity In in our world today We look at it and we go Well it's just a western religion It's a religion of America It's a religion of people who grew up In certain homes In certain places It's a southern religion Some of us here in Oregon might think Uh, But the Palm Sunday story As duplicated a little bit in heaven Reminds us that, that this religion Christianity is for every person Who chooses to enter into the religion It's described as people wearing white Robes and there's two ways to see that. One is as martyrs, uh, people who have died for their Christian faith, and that happens in the Book of Revelation. Martyrs are wearing white. But also, if we continue to read, and we will continue to read in this passage, it's really seen as people who are faithful to Jesus. And what this tells us is that Palm Sunday, in some ways, is the beginning of a story—a story that we can all be brought into if we choose to follow Jesus, if we choose to give our lives to. Jesus and here's what these people are crying out in heaven in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb the f- the, the phrase there salvation belongs to our God is is pretty similar to Hosanna uh, Hosanna is a word that comes from Psalm 118 25 and there it says Lord save us Lord grant us success it means to Cry out, save us, basically. And in Psalm one hundred eighteen, twenty five, that's where it began, and that's what the people are crying out to Jesus. And here are these people in heaven look at Jesus and they look at God and, and they don't say, Hey God, please save us anymore. What do they say? They say this salvation that we had longed for now belongs to our God and to Jesus. And I'd like to point out that these people already know what Jesus has declared on earth, and that is this, that there is only one way to get the salvation that you want. There is only one way to find forgiveness for your sins. There is only one way to find life that is eternal. There is only one way to have redemption. There is only one way to have reconciliation with God in heaven, and that is through Jesus, through accepting Jesus. And these people, they understand they understand what Jesus declared while he was on earth, that he was the only way to salvation. Some people in our world today want to say, well, there's a lot of ways to heaven. But these people who are sitting in heaven, John gets this vision, the veil of heaven is pulled back. He looks at them and they are going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Salvation is, is like a possession of gods. He is the only one who can dispense salvation upon you who can give you the eternal life and the forgiveness and the hope and the grace that you long for. You see, what the people looked for on the first Palm Sunday, those who are now in heaven when the book of Revelation is written are now experiencing. And what takes place in in the book of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they talk about Palm Sunday, it's interesting because the same people who cry, Hosanna, 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 God save us, God save us, God save us, are are probably uh, yelling, crucify him, crucify him, when Jesus is nailed to a cross just a few days later. But there are these people who choose to follow Jesus even though the story didn't go the way they wanted the story to go who despite the anger and the suffering and the pain and the hurt and the confusion, despite all of it, they chose instead of rejecting Jesus to accept Jesus upon his resurrection. And now they sit in heaven and they say, wait a minute, what we said at the beginning of this story, at the beginning of the Palm Sunday story, is still true today. Salvation belongs to our God. And they even show us the two things really that I think we need to believe about Jesus in order to be saved, in order to one day be in heaven with these people who are clothed in white, and that is they declare Jesus' lamb. That is to say that Jesus was slaughtered for the sins of the world. It's a connection to the Old Testament where there were sacrificial lambs who would die for the sins of the nation of Israel. And Jesus becomes that for us. We think, wrongly think, that we can... Remove sin from our lives by doing a bunch of good stuff, or being sorrowful enough, or saying sorry enough times to people, or giving enough money to church, or going to church on Easter every year, you know, or whatever it might be. But, but these people know something about Jesus that we all must accept if we too are going to partake of declaring salvation belongs to our God someday in heaven. And that is that Jesus is the one who died for people's sins. Jesus is the only way that we can be saved because when he died on the cross, all of our sins were nailed there in his body. The other thing they say is that, that he is Lord. They say that he sits on the throne, but it's another way of saying that he is Lord. And this is the part that is often forgotten in Christian circles today, and that is that when we become Christians, we not only say Jesus is our Savior, but we say he is the one that is to be obeyed and followed, the one whose lives we will give our lives entirely for. We will be willing, if, if he calls us to, to die for him because we believe that he is so important and, and so high and, and, and that he rules and reigns over everything. And these people who sit in heaven, who lay palm branches at Jesus, knowing all that would take place after those palm branches were first laid as he entered into Jerusalem, go, salvation belongs to our God and to Jesus, who is both our Lamb, our Savior, and our Lord. (coughs) And it's really cool to think that the Palm Sunday story could remind us uh, of exactly what we need to believe about Jesus, what we need to declare about Jesus in order to one day end up in heaven with these people. But this story even gets better. It continues, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Now you can see the same type of language in Revelation five 12. I'm not going to read it for you, but you can see it there in and here's what happens with the book of Revelation. If you ever been in church, if you ever tried to read the book of Revelation, if you ever read a book about the book of Revelation, here's what happens. You take a passage like this and you just dissect it and dissect it and dissect it. You go, what does that mean? What does that mean? What did Daniel say about that in the Old Testament? Who is that and what are they representing and what does that number mean and what does that color mean and what is that supposed to symbolize? And when you get done, you know what happens? The passage has no meaning anymore. It's no longer important in the way that it was meant to be important. And so let's scratch all that. Let's not talk at all this morning about what those things are and what they mean and who the elders are and all of that. Let's just say this. There is this heavenly picture with angels and other people and creatures all sitting around the throne of God and they are declaring praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and strength be to our God forever and ever. That is incredible, right? I mean, isn't isn't just if you had no background, if it's your first time ever hearing anything read from the book of Revelation, isn't like your first thought like, wow, that's cool. That's crazy. That's weird. That's something I should pay attention to. And then your second reaction, I would hope, would be like, what are they saying about God? I mean, what are they declaring because of what started on Palm Sunday? Not who are they, but what are they declaring in this really cool moment? And really what they're declaring, as one author said, is that the highest kind of praise is to be ascribed to God. Everything excellent in character is to be attributed to Him. I'm going to say it another way. All things that are light, all things that are good, should be connected to God. And I mean by that seen as coming from God or being directed back to God. Does that make sense? I think that's what they're getting at. I mean, if you feel strong today, then you ought to go, God, Thank you that I feel strong. And you ought to direct that back to him and you ought to use your strength so that you can glorify and worship him. And you came here feeling strong this morning and so when you sing, you sing a little louder and when we pray, you pray a little stronger, you know. Or, or, all things should be aimed at God. You're like, man, I'm going to express praise. Where does that praise go? That praise ought to be directed at God because salvation belongs to God. And if you're a Christian, If you will celebrate with these people in white robes the the work of Jesus someday, then now you ought to aim your praise all at God because you know how much he has done for you. All things that are good should be ascribed to God. All things that are good should be seen as coming from God or they should be pointed back to God. God. That's what these heavenly beings are declaring as they fall down before the throne of God. He deserves all that is good, and all that is good has come from him. And then the story continues. Because you might go, why? And and let me just say that. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pastor man, Chad. That's great. Salvation coming from God and all that, but I'm still like at the first Palm Sunday story right I mean I'm still confused sometimes about my family or about how I feel about my life about the way things are going about why God didn't say yes to my prayers and you just prayed a minute ago about how he did say yes to prayers. why not my prayers and sometimes we do feel anger and it's like why God did you let this happen and why is this going this way and how dare you God allow for me to feel this way and we do feel fear I mean what's going to happen tomorrow and I can't pay my bills and this relationship is broken and I don't see any way out of it and and we go I just i'm stuck back here i'm stuck back here and, and this is why this the rest of the story is so important then one of the elders asked me these in white robes who are they and where do they come from i answered sir you know and he said these are they who have come out of the great tribulation they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb therefore they are before the throne of god and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence These are people who have been faithful to Jesus. No matter what it cost them, they were faithful to Jesus. And they get to serve Jesus. I just want to point out one quick thing, kind of a side note. Uh, It is a, we think of serving God in heaven. Sometimes if you're like me, you're like, man, I just want to take a break in heaven. I serve God already. Uh, But what a privilege it is to serve people who are famous for serving. Right? I mean, if you could like just vacuum Martin Luther King Jr.'s house while he was out doing his thing and uh, and pushing civil rights, wouldn't that be cool? Or I think of Mother Teresa like if she's giving cups of water to the poor and the disenfranchised and the sick and the hurting and the broken. Wouldn't it be cool just to like give her a cup of water if you could go back in time and when she was alive. And so I think there's this really cool picture, but here's here's the million dollar question. If these people are in heaven serving God. And they chose to be faithful despite suffering, intense suffering, suffering like we don't face here. And and a lot of that suffering came because they chose to follow Jesus. Why? Why did they choose to do it? And here's the answer in the next two verses. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is what the crowd wanted on the first Palm Sunday story. They wanted a guy to come in to kick out the Romans who were oppressing the Jewish people, to provide them with free meals to provide them with better buildings, to show them the right way to live so that they might be happy and life might be great. And these people who are in heaven say, we get exactly what they wanted, but we get it for eternity. No more hunger, no more tears, no more sunburn, no more thirst, all because of what Jesus did. You see, here's the thing about the first Palm Sunday. Their declaration was right. God saves. God save us. But when life didn't go the way they wanted it to, then they rejected Jesus. They turned their back on Jesus. They chanted, crucify Jesus. And I think that a lot of us have this same problem. We look at God and we say, God, I want no more tears. And God looks down at us, and God says, you'll have that. Just continue to be faithful to me. You see, the the problem is not in what we want. A day where we'll no longer thirst, or no longer hunger, or no longer have worries, or no longer have pain, and no longer have suffering, and no longer have broken relationships. Those things are all good to want. The problem is that our timeline is often wrong. We go, I want it right now. And God's saying, serve me now and you'll have it forever. That's what happened on the first Palm Sunday. And the question, I think, is is will we have the same timeline? And I know, here's the thing that I know. There are people in front of me and people who will listen online who have rejected God maybe totally outright said, I will not be a Christian, I will not follow God, I will not accept Jesus, I will not live for Him, I will not read your stupid Bible, I will not be a part of that, I will not go to your church, because they look at their lives and they say, there's tears. And I want no tears. And God hasn't given me that. He has not wiped away my tears, He has not took away all the pain, He has not taken away all the suffering. So I will reject it. But what the Palm Sunday story says is that, yeah, God might let our, this stage represents eternity. God might let our tears go on like this long, but all the rest, if we'll be faithful to Jesus, is going to be free of tears and sorrow and pain and suffering and hurt and brokenness. And so the decision should be easy. Right now, we should declare Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. You see, people reject Jesus and say, well, he hasn't wiped away my tears. And the question that I have is, has anything else wiped away your tears? Because the answer is no. But if you Give your life to Jesus and declare him as Lord and Savior. Then there will come a time when there will be no more tears. He will wipe them all away. And all the pain and all the hurt that you experience will be gone forevermore. And it will last forever. I know that's a big number for all of us who are human. But forever, like ever, eternity, infinity, and beyond. Forever. And I look around at this world, and I'm not kidding, I really do look around at this world. And there are people who are hurting and suffering. They're tortured, they're beaten, they struggle. And what I want to declare to them is that if you will, if you will look at Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, no matter what type of family you come out of, no, what, no matter what nationality you are, no matter what race you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter you know, where you lean politically, if you, will, if you will embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, then there will come a time when there are no more tears. And, and the reality is, if, if you don't accept Jesus, then that time will never come for you. I look at like our hearabout abused kids, and I just want to say to them, you can look forward to a time when there will be no more tears. And this has become like so real for me now with my daughter back there, and I just think, She's loved, and there's kids all around me who aren't. And I just want to look at them and go, someday you can experience a time when there will be no more tears because you have a father who will wipe them all away. And I look at the hungry kids around the globe, and I feel this this inability to do anything about it. I might be able to feed a kid. And then it's like, well, there's others, you know, and I can't do anything about it. And I want to look at them, and I want to go, someday you can experience, look forward to a day you can look forward to a day now when there will be no more tears and I I look at ignored kids even who just nobody cares and nobody likes them they think in their heads and nobody is loving them I can declare that from my position and and I want to say someday you can experience no more tears and you can look forward to that now and as we just finished this series on depression and you go I'm still depressed even though we did that series I just want to say to you, someday all that sorrow that you feel will go away because you will experience a day where there are no more tears if you place your faith in Jesus. And and I think about abused women and and it just breaks my heart to think that women are getting beat up by men in our world and they're suffering and hurting and they're broken uh, figuratively or actually. And, and I want to tell them all, I want to tell every one of them, you can experience no more tears someday. And I think of widows, some in our church who have lost their spouses, and I cannot imagine what that feels like, losing your spouse. And I want to say someday there will be no more tears. And all over our world, there are hungry, hungry, and they're homeless, and they're divorced, and they're hurting, and they're broken. And the only chance the only chance that we have to not experience no more tears is to place our faith in Jesus. But it can be true of every one of us, no matter our backgrounds, no matter where we came from, no matter how much we've rejected Jesus and Christianity in the past, we can experience a day where there will be no more tears. And I know that because of all that the Palm Sunday story represents. Jesus rode in on a donkey, and the people's timeline was off. And so they rejected Jesus. But the timeline was off. Their declaration was not. And so now in eternity, these people are looking at Jesus and going, you have done it. Salvation belongs to you, the God and the Lamb of the world. And now we look forward to a day where no people will experience tears anymore. And so I, I would just say to the disconnected and the neglected and the rejected and the molested and the infected and the disrespected and the defected that you can look forward to a day with normal no more tears and all you have to do is declare jesus as your lord and savior that's what the palm sunday story tells us so there's a couple of types of people that i just i want to say something to really briefly and then i'm done first if you're not a christian there's a good chance that you're not a Christian because you don't like the way that God has treated you. And, and you may mask that, and this happens to a lot of people, you may mask that in some theological, philosophical jargon, and you may go, well, I don't believe because science, or I don't believe because philosophy, or I don't believe for whatever reason, but but really deep in your soul, you, you don't believe because you're mad at god because he has allowed you to suffer the tears to spread to shed the tears that you are shedding over the things that you have shed them over and you're like i don't want any part of you and and what the palm sunday story says is that you can give your life to jesus and even though you may suffer for a while in eternity there will be no more tears and all those things that hurt will be fixed for you and then there's others of you who are christians And there's a part of your life where you reject Jesus. You say, well, Jesus, if you would just, you know, fix this area, then I would do it the way that you have called me to do it. If you would just make that better, then I could, you know, not cheat, or I could uh, not be dishonest, or I could not lie, or that's the same, or I could uh, not uh, take shortcuts. I could actually serve you better, God. And the Palm Sunday story is saying, hey, your timeline's off. God has made it all better in eternity and so even if you suffer a little bit now you should declare salvation belongs to our God. And so when you think of palm leaves or when you think of Palm Sunday I want to say this. The story of Palm Sunday doesn't mean we should celebrate because our lives get entirely better now. It means that we should celebrate Jesus and all that he is and all that he has done because we will celebrate in eternity when there are no more tears will you pray with me lord i thank you that you give us little pictures into heaven it makes this life more tolerable um and god we've all come here today with with certain pain and certain struggles and certain uh difficult circumstances god and and broken relationships and broken bodies and broken bank accounts as i prayed earlier god and and i pray that this morning lord um we finish up this this church service i pray god that that we would celebrate because of what is to come and i pray god for any person who will hear this sermon that that god they would not reject you because of what they don't have now but they would accept you because of what they have to look forward to in eternity if they choose to do so And I pray for those of us who are Christians that are facing difficult things, that are hurt, that are broken, that are struggling, God, that we wouldn't reject you in any area of our lives because of what is going on, but instead we would accept you fully and faithfully, knowing, God, that someday we will spend an eternity in you and all these things will be healed. And Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, I want to say thank you for walking into Jerusalem so that this entire story could be told that we could hear about your death so that we could understand that you would die for us so that that we could understand that you rose again and, and and that you have saved us lord and if you would have chosen not to walk into jerusalem i don't know where i would be god bound for hell i know that and so i thank you lord for what you chose to do 2000 and, uh, and a few years ago lord jesus make us all faithful to you because you were so faithful to us despite having No reason to be as we sinned against you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you for what these palm leaves represent. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.